Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? This is the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. This is a particularly exciting episode for me because this is the first one that I have done since I got back from my big stand-up tour. I was out on the West Coast. We drove all over the country as far east as Memphis and as far north as uh, Fargo and Seattle. It was dope, but while I was out there, I managed to grab a couple of my West Coast friends, the uh, soon-to-be-famous Todd Fasten and Justin Moran, two particularly funny men, uh, and I had them do uh, an episode of Famous Dead People for me. I grabbed them. We got uh, we got uh, Ansel Adams, famous nature photographer Ansel Adams, and uh, New Zealand adventurer and extreme explorer Sir Edmund Hillary. Uh, Before we get to the episode, don't forget you can check out the freshest episodes every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You should email me at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. I am excited about hearing from you guys, so hit me up whenever the need arises. Uh, Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Leave a comment. And you can always check out jarrettbarrenstein.com for the latest updates on shows and upcoming projects but in the meantime sit back relax and enjoy sir edmund hillary and ansel adams only on famous dead people famous dead people. it's time famous dead people. time to start the show famous dead people, famous dead people. Famous dead people. Oh, you know, famous dead people, famous dead people, the story stuck in the head, you're gonna hear awful phone even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are American landscape photographer and environmentalist famous for his black and white images of the American West, Ansel Adams. Yeah, hello. And New Zealand mountaineer and explorer, the first person to reach the summit of Everest and the North and South Poles, Sir Edmund Percival Hillary. Hello. Uh, Mr. Hillary, Mr. Adams, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. You're Indeed, not, our pleasure. You're not going to mention Yosemite in my intro? I mean, come on, it's the... F- well, I mean, I, it's the, the American West. It's part of the American yeah, West. Yeah, come on, though. You when know? you think Ansel Adams, you think Yosemite, right? You're not thinking about, like... In all fairness, when I hear Sir Edmund Hillary, I also <laughs> think of Yosemite. Did you you have expeditions in Yosemite? Because I understand you were more of a mountaineer or uh, extreme environment. Well, there's no mountains in Yosemite if you've not seen my (laughs) pictures. Come on. I just remember, even a mountaineer needs a vacation every now and then. That's a really good point. So, yeah, you've been there, but more for fun. More just to relax a little bit. No, I have fun everywhere I go. That's why people love me. Oh, interesting. So, you know, I do want to talk a little bit about that, but I want to start off with Ansel Adams. So, you are... One of the most well-known photographers, particularly nature photographers, uh, but despite your success, you spent the majority of your life living paycheck to paycheck, supplementing your income with teaching jobs and commissions, and it's the commissions that I want to ask you about. Oh, I'm sorry, you're going to shame me for having to have <laughs> other work? No, 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 this is oh, not, this oh, is not a, this is not a that actor from the Cosby Show situation. Not, I don't know what you're talking we about. We are celebrating, oh, for, this is like a thing that just happened where this guy who was on the Cosby Show got shamed for working at Trader Joe's. Oh, is the Cosby Show, is that like a... Big show with a beloved star? It was. It was. Also, the beloved... I mean, the beloved... No longer a beloved star. There was a little bit of a... You know, there was a little bit of a... Uh, controversy there. Bit of a roller coaster ride for all the Cosby <laughs> fans, if you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah. So I'm I'm in celebration of the fact that you did. As artists, we do anything that we can to make ends meet. Um, but I wanted to ask you about some of these commissions because I have to imagine mm. that there were a lot of wealthy people out there who would look 
at your incredible landscapes, and then they would hire you to do something like completely different, like uh, you know, portraits or pictures of their kids or pictures of their dogs or something yeah, like so that. Yeah, so what I would often do is I would take these families or these dogs out to a beautiful location. Mm -hmm. I would stand really far away and take a picture of the beautiful nature landscape behind. And if you if they blew up the negative, then they could see them. But usually you just saw like a fucking rock hard mountain. <laughs> I'm sorry, a rock hard mountain. Yeah, a fucking rock hard mountain in the background. <laughs> just so those mountains are so fucking hard. Now man. you're speaking just, my language. Yeah. <laughs> just real riled up. Wait, so so these people, they you know, you you would literally take them out and just do what you would normally do, like a landscape. That's, that's what I know how to do. But they would be in it, just yes. like really small, like yes. in the car. Did anybody ever complain about that? Like, I, I don't care. <laughs> I would say, have you seen my picture of Half Dome? Does that not make you rock hard? <laughs> as rock hard as the Half Dome itself. Mm, that's now, right. Were there any sort of like bizarre commissions, like things where you were like, as an artist, I'm above this, or, you know, this just really doesn't fit with like what I do, and so you had to like turn those down? Did you ever have any of those like hell gigs? Yeah, well, once they asked me to take pictures of Marilyn Monroe. Ooh! Yeah! Wow! Not a bad-looking lady, no, Melanie. Well, and they and I was like, "Why did you ask me?" And like, "Will you take pictures of large, round things like half dome?" That making wow. rock hard. And, wow. I, and I was like, "You do not understand my work." You know, it was a different time back then. You yes. know, it's like people would just felt comfortable just saying awful things yes, like that. I know. You know? It was a direct time, very clear. You can get a lot of emotion out in very few words. Yeah, mm -hmm. but let's not, you know, like, like you know, look I back once, fondly on that time. You know, I commissioned a nature photographer once to accompany me on an expedition. Unfortunately, the man died of exposure the first week before even leaving our base camp. Oh my god! I know. Wow! And so this guy had, had paid you to take him to what was it Everest? No, or some I other? paid him. I was like, <laughs> I think it will be important for books to have pictures of me mm -hmm. summiting. Everest. This was the first time before we made it there successfully. Oh, wow. Indeed. He was okay. not the first or last person to die. He was the <laughs> second the person se to die. He was the second person to ever die on Everest. And you yep. never died? Interesting that all these people are just dying around you. Yes, indeed. I'm not... Awfully suspicious. Hey, if I you're think. accusing me of sucking <laughs> their boyish vigor, take a number, pal. <laughs> All right, so this is a man who uh, you paid to accompany you on a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and unfortunately, he passed away in the first week of mm, exposure. Is that yes, right? Yes, three days in. Three we days were still in. loading up the donkeys. <laughs> did you, was it like an outfit sort of situation? Like, did you not give him a coat? No, we get, we get, well, see, we give everyone everything they need. The question that everyone gets to choose for themselves is, do I wear it correctly? Oh. <laughs> So he didn't wear the coat. He wore the coat. He didn't wear the socks. Did he socks. do it like a, did he do a painter style? Like, you know, like a smock, like you wear it backwards? I think that would keep you more warm. The back. These people know how to work a camera, but for God's sake, put on socks with individual toes and mm -hmm. they're stumped. Oh my God. So they, so they had those really cool socks that don't have the, um, that don't have the, uh, that have the toes exposed. You know, right. like smokers, they have their fingers exposed. Oh, yeah, well, who, I tell you this, the you think that so the cool. toes give grip on rock, but I promise you they don't. Yeah, you really should just have like a regular sock that keeps all your toes together and warm. Mm -hmm. That's like a, the mitten equivalent of a sock. That's, That's exactly, exactly which right. Which is just a sock. All That's socks. All socks are All like socks mittens. are the mitten equivalent of socks. Of socks. Mm. What you don't want is gloves. It's no, you do not want glove foot socks. Foot glove. You do not want foot gloves. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's pivot over to Sir Edmund Hillary for just a moment. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to ask you a little bit how you first developed your love of mountaineering. So I read on the uh, read on the Wikipedia. 
1935, you're 16 years old, you go on a class trip to Mount, um, and tell me if I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Rapeu. Yes. Mount Rapeu. Absolutely correctly. It's spelled a little Ooh, weird. I would love to have taken a picture of that mountain. <laughs> well, well take a number, pal. <laughs> I mean, I, I really, I, I'm looking at this word and I can't see it being pronounced any other way. It's Mount Rapeu, right? Mount Rapeu, that's gotcha. absolutely right. Mount Rapeu. All right, so according to the Wikipedia, you, you take a, a class trip to this mountain and... Uh, it makes you, quote, more interested in tramping than studying. Absolutely. They, yeah. It filled my soul with a desire to tramp. Can I you define it. that? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> we, I can. In America, we have a slightly different um, definition of what tramping is. Well, uh, a good tramp, it invigors the spirit. It fills you with a sense of wanderlust. It's very vague. <laughs> tramping. A little more specific about what tramping is. A tramping is going out on an adventure, opening your heart to the <laughs> world, my friend. Okay. You see a mountain off in the distance, I want to tramp to there. <laughs> okay. I see a patch of fresh, untrodden snow, sir, I would like to tramp to there. And I stay at a safe distance and take a gorgeous fucking Interesting picture. Interesting division mm. between the two of you. You actually want to go explore the places, you just want to stand back. I, I would surmise if, mm -hmm. in fact, Ansel Adams is worth his salt, any of his beautiful landscapes probably have me really small <laughs> and zoom into the name. Really? So you, you would assert that you are probably Or did probably you hire in... me for a portrait? <laughs> I did not, sir, but no. I would attest on many of the beautiful days of the world I was out tramping the globe. He was just out there so much, you must have, just by virtue of statistics, uh. just by the law of averages, you have to, he has to be in at least one uh, of the numbers. Can you be more specific of these average numbers you're citing? Well, like, I have please, a, show, show me your work. All right, let me, let me just crunch the numbers really click, quickly here. Okay, just like I carry the five and... Uh, and I'm saying, I gotta say that, uh, you know, like, based on the, it's probably, there's a 10% chance that you are in one of Ansel Adams' uh... So therefore, if you've taken more than 100 pictures, I've been in more it, than 10. There you go. Why would you carry a 5 if you're using an adding machine? Listen, Ansel Adams... <laughs> That's only something when you're writing it down. Listen, um, you know, the specifics of how I tabulate my statistics... It's um. It has a lot to do with uh, calculus and uh, you know, just like an understanding that a ah uh, uh, yes, you carry a, five a mountaineer in calculus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Huh? And, huh? The, and the sine wave. It's all very complicated. Mm. If there was a calculus person here, they would know what I'm talking about. But uh. I wouldn't expect a couple of mountaineers or photographers to really get the math that I'm doing. Here. Oh, he's stereotyping. <laughs> us. I will have you know that I know a lot about the number five. <laughs> the number five specifically. Well, I'm on the five pound note in New Zealand. You see, very impressive. Indeed, it and in is. In order to do that, they have to that you have to learn a lot of number five trivia. It's the That's only just... thing you're asked about <laughs> when they paint you on there. Okay, Ooh, so what is some number five trivia? <laughs> For example, the number of fingers on your left hand, five. Now, I, that I knew, and I think everybody, oh, I mean, unless you have some sort of tragic uh, accident and you lose one of your fingers. Well. Or birthing defects. Birthing defects would, would probably keep somebody from having five fingers. In New Zealand, we put down children born with birthing defects right away. It's called the zebra mentality. You know, when a zebra has a child with a birth defect, you know what the herd does? They kick it to death? They kick it to death. Wow. Yeah. That was a guess. 
You were I, absolutely right. I figured they would either kick to death or they would eat it. Because uh, those are, I think, the only two mechanisms that a zebra would have to, yes, to get rid I, of Yes, but I suppose offspring. it would have to be knocked down before you ate it. What do you mean, knock, <laughs> knock down with the feet? I mean, I would think the kicking would have to happen first. Hmm. Well, no, zebras can have, like, very active heads, you know? Like, maybe they can, like, headbutt it into submission and oh, then eat it that fair. way. Okay. Like I said, there's a lot of options for zebra murder. That's true, but when you think about how small a zebra that's fowl true. I is... Forgot, I forgot that it was a young one that came <laughs> out, and that would be... Right. Easy to eat. Well, was, we don't well, know though how long it takes for a zebra to recognize that there's a birth defect. Maybe they don't even realize it until I they're in adolescence. I feel like it's instant. <laughs> Maybe they just have an instinct mm. for it. Wouldn't that be if if it shows up in adolescence, it is not a birth defect? Well, there are all different kinds of birth defects. You know, some people can live with birth defects for decades, like a heart you know? murmur. Like a heart murmur. I would think a birth defect would show up right away. Hence, its name, a birth defect, no, not a, a latter day defect. A birth defect is just a uh, a defect that you have from birth, as opposed to something that you develop later on in life, or or something that happens to you in the I'm world. I'm just a photographer. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly my fucking mm. point, Ansel Adams. Uh, so my, my last question I wanted to ask you uh, about this trip to Mount Rapeview, Rape which yes. I really can't believe that's the name of you it. You should see the t-shirts. <laughs> Can you, were there any slogans on this t-shirt? No, it just says like, you. <laughs> vague lettuce. Uh, so this trip, was it a climbing trip specifically, or was it more like a walk through the woods, and you thought, and you see this mountain, and you're like, oh, I really want to climb it, and or something first, like that? At first it was just a walk about. Mm -hmm. All of the students were supposed to keep their distance and look at the mountain, and I saw it sitting there, just taunting me from a distance. And I thought to myself, why don't you tell this kid next to you to go up there and try to climb it? And then you can do the honorable thing and <laughs> kind of fish him out of trouble. Because the guy next to me, his name was Dennis, a real jerk of a kid if ever I've known a jerk in mm -hmm. my life. Sounds like a real menace. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just wanted to clarify something. So you see this mountain and you're overcome and you think, instead of climbing it, you think I should goad the kid next to me into climbing well, it. Well, let me then... tell you something about going to private school. Okay. The first person to do anything gets in trouble. Did mm. that kid die? Uh, TBD. <laughs> His body was never found, but in all fairness, I didn't look very hot. Yeah, he so could uh, be living a great life on Mount Rainey. This is the second story I've heard from you about a young man who died after you told them to climb a mountain. I Again. should tell you the tramping lifestyle has its <laughs> risks. Very suspicious, once again. Suspicious mm -hmm. or romantic. <laughs> I don't think anybody could argue that it was romantic. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are New Zealand mountaineer and explorer Sir Edmund Hillary. Well, hello there. And iconic American landscape photographer Ansel Adams. Hello. Uh, so, Mr. Adams, uh, you were born and raised in San Francisco. Yes. And uh, according to the Wikipedia, your earliest memory... Uh, was watching the smoke mm -hmm. from the fires that were caused by the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Do you remember yes, this incident? That is correct. You were four years old at mm -hmm. the time. Can you tell us like what your reaction was to to seeing the smoke? Were you able to piece together like exactly what happened? Because at four years old, you know, what, it's probably like a confusing. I experience. Like I didn't feel an earthquake. <laughs> And then wondered why my city was in shambles? I, I'm sure... I would, just because I was four doesn't make me an idiot. Oh, I'm sure there's a four-year-old. Yes, I figured it out. I crunched the numbers and <laughs> carried the five and figured out that the gigantic earthquake that leveled the town caused mm -hmm. the smoke that I was seeing. I see, I see. Do you I know see. how many of my cats died? You, you had a lot of cats. Five of my cats died. Five cats? One was actually living in the home, and the other were four alley cats that I befriended. Oh, I see. And so then after the earthquake earthquake you of course go to look for your alley cat friends to see yes. you know make sure that they survived yes. the earthquake and that's when you found 
the bodies, I'm assuming. Yes, they were crushed by a building. Oh, mm. that is a shame. Yes. Reclaimed shame. by nature, maybe <laughs> picture-worthy? No, it's not nature when it's destroyed by a building built by man. Mm -hmm. If it had been from an avalanche or a mountain that had fallen or a tree, then yes, I would have taken the picture of their dead body. Well, this is, of course, before you started taking pictures, but was there ever a part of you that was like, oh, I wish I could, I should capture this. I would love this, to commemorate this experience I would love to be able to show cast. this to people and, and like, like share this vision. Like, do you think maybe maybe your love of photography, like, like maybe the seed was planted in that moment? No. No. <laughs> it was not planted during the suffering of many. Mm, that would I be see. a terrible weed way to be inspired. Yeah, suffering the people around me many. are suffering at a four-year-old, and I would go, yes, I would like to doc document this suffering. Mm. Were you, were you, so you were upset at all of the suffering that was going on, not just because of the dead cats, but just about the... The, the general suffering that was caused by the San Francisco earthquake. It, yes, it, it was a terrible world. tragedy. <laughs> Did you just read my Wikipedia page and then not link over to the page about, about the, the, earthquake? the earthquake? And I assumed it was a small earthquake that started a couple of fires. You, you know, know, I will take some experience from my exploits in World War II and say from the greatest tragedy springs the greatest heroism. That's right. And if it were not for such tragedies, where would the heroes arise from? That's right. It's from the ashes, my friend, where and we all must look <laughs> for the seeds of heroism. Also, I think that some some could argue that there is great inspiration in tragedy. Like a lot of the art and uh, movies, music, novels, you know, that, that all, uh, you know, germinates in great suffering. I don't think it's that weird of an assumption to make. Yes, but <laughs> I was four. Yes, okay, you were four years old. Uh, now, according to Wikipedia, so you were unharmed by the earthquake, uh, but three hours later, there was an aftershock that, and this is according to Wikipedia, so please feel free to correct me if this is not right, mm -hmm. Aftershock that tossed you face first yes. into a wall, uh -huh. and that is the story behind your famously crooked nose, because yes. it never got fixed, never probably got yes, fixed. Yes, it is. Yes, I embraced mm -hmm. my crooked nose. Also, I, I, did they have ways of fixing it back then? I was never told if there was a way to fix it back then. Mm -hmm. uh, well, according to the Wikipedia, the doctor was like, well, we should fix it when he's, when he's older. Mm -hmm. I, and I forget why he thought that was smart, but they just sort of like let it heal that way. No, I embrace my, my outer flaws. I don't mm -hmm. know about you if you feel like you need to make yourself looking like a perfect specimen. Sounds like a mm -hmm. busy doctor. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're going to wait till he's older. <laughs> I I just I gotta go finish up a thing on the golf course. Mm, doctor, can you tell me why we should wait for well, this? Well, children. I mean, obviously, please be scarred. I suppose maybe if I'm thinking in his shoes now as an mm -hmm. older man, you don't want to fix a child's nose because he's still growing. You would wait until he settles you in. You don't know then... what that nose is going to look like. I mean, now. I have very little medical experience in practice, but I would say that that sounds the exact opposite, <laughs> right? Good chance they'll grow into normalcy if I fix it now. No, no, you gotta, you gotta wait to see sort of like what the general frame of the face is gonna be, and then you could fix the nose. Like to maybe, like... maybe there will be another accident on the other side of his face, and it knocks it, <laughs> knocks it back. back. Would really you save know, me an hour now. Children exactly. just get into whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're accident prone, they would say. And I gotta ask though, having the crooked nose, that's gotta be a blessing for photography because you got your face kind of like smashed up against that uh, that little little viewfinder there, and. Uh, for everybody else, the nose is kind of in the way, and they gotta like do a little angle. But for you, whenever you I like... taught a photography class, I would my first lesson was always break your nose if you want to be a good photographer. <laughs> break your nose. And let me tell you, many of the students would then break each other's noses. Oh my god! Yes, like a little fight club you had. What is that? What the Fight Club? Uh, it's this movie that came out. You're really not caught up with the uh, with the present as, as much as I thought you would be, Ansel Adams. 
the uh, you know, it doesn't I'm matter. I'm too busy taking beautiful pictures in Out wherever in I currently reside. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to uh, Sir Edmund Hillary for a moment. So in uh, 1938, uh, a few years after your famous trip uh, to the mountain that mm. we were talking about earlier, uh, you go to see a man named Herbert Suff- Sutcliffe mm-hmm. uh, give a talk. He is a proponent of a life philosophy called radiant living. You eventually, uh, you, you become so enamored with the radiant living philosophy that you become Sutcliffe's assistant and you are trained to teach radiant living mm-hmm. to others. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about like what the radiant living philosophy was? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's mostly about skincare. I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate the fact that our skin exposed almost 100% of the time to all the elements, mm-hmm. needs moisturizing. So what you 100% do... 100% of the time is exposed to all the elements. Almost 100% of the time. Of the time. Yeah. Uh, these, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I sometimes round up just for speed's sake. I understand. Uh, so what, what he taught was, using a combination of uh, j- jasmine mint leaves and coconut oil, if you really just rub it, just rub it in, rub it good, it helps maintain your boyish vigor throughout your later years. It staves off most types of skin cancers Ooh. and it really it just the breathing in the, the the juniper and the mint and the jasmine and just cal- it calms the nerves and opens your eyes to a sense of wonder wait so this was the the entirety of radiant living was just skincare it was just an advanced skincare course like almost like a cosmetology course. In, indeed so really indeed and you so. were you were so taken by this that in so inspired by it mm. that you decided that you wanted to be a radiant living expert. Absolutely, as well. I, one would call it. It's like the essential oils of its day. Okay, I right? understand. So you see those people on Facebook that are like, "Who broke their leg and needs an essential oil?" And you think to yourself, "That sounds ridiculous." I'm sorry. <laughs> You're 100 percent right. Absolutely. Um, and so you know, obviously, being an outdoor adventurer, mm. being an explorer and mountaineer. Um, you know, your skin is more uh, exposed. And, Absolutely. You know, and so would you say that the radiant living philosophy helps give you, help protect you? Ask from, me how many fingers I have. Um, I've got ten. A, assume ask me how many toes I have. I'm assuming it's ten. ten. See, ask me why. Is it because of radiant it's living? Because of <laughs> so radiant, me, yep. it is not just face care, but full body full care. Body full care. body care. Let me ask you something. Have you ever noticed as you age, your skin gets ashy? Gets ashy. Ashy. Yeah, absolutely. Tell. Mine does not. You, your skin never got ashy. Never got ashy. Thing. That is that is incredible. It really almost sounds like a pyramid scheme. I gotta say, just like with the well, but the really, name being radiant living, isn't every single different way of living just a pyramid scheme? I don't think so. It, I don't uh, agree 100%, with that. One hundred percent. I believe is. I really don't. One hundred percent. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess an argument could be made that like modern corporate structure is a pyramid scheme, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, mm. like. But, you know, uh, let me ask you something. When you go to your church, do you put money in the donation well, basket? Well, I do not Goes attend, right to Rome. A, attend uh, religious services, and so uh, that's not really, uh, you know, part of my life philosophy specifically. But I can see the point that you're making about, you know, the different pyramid and schemes that exist. In all defense, the pyramids were majestic, <laughs> majestic structures. Ah, uh, you would have loved to have climbed those, right? Oh, I climbed those. Mm. Some would call them the mountains man-made. In mm. fact, I think they, <laughs> I would never take a picture of those pyramids. Though. Uh, because they were man-made? Man-made, yes. Mm. I only want things that have been forged by hundreds and thousands of years of nature. I would offer hundreds this, Hundreds and thousands though, of years of nature. The Egyptians did not consider the Jews to be man, so in some ways, maybe they were natural. <laughs> it's almost as though, according to the Egyptians, that the 
uh, pyramids are a natural structure that was just created by coercing filthy animals into, uh, you know, organized labor. You know, I mean, of course, that's, that's the way that the Egyptians uh, absolutely. looked at it. Absolutely. Know? Not my personal belief, of course. Surely. We're not advocating I've that. I've made love to an Egyptian woman, of course, but I wouldn't subscribe to that viewpoint myself. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to uh, agree with everything that a person that you're making love to. That's just, you Certainly know. you do not. <laughs> I mean, that just, it would severely limit the number of people that you For can make example, love to. For example, I imagine every woman I've made love to has wanted to make love to a beautiful man, but I've never done so. Have you ever made love on the Valley of Yosemite? Have, have you ever made love on the Valley of Yosemite? Many times, wow. beneath Half Dome with its flat surface gazing it, up above. It, it, uh, El Capitan, not Half Dome. Huh? Also beneath Half Dome with its curved arch where I look at the curve of a woman. Mm, or yeah. a man. It's a sexy, these are sexy environments. Gee. And I, I'm imagining that if you're spending so much time there, you're gonna get... You're going to get a little excited and you're gonna, if you're there with somebody that you can make love with. The woman just... I married, I met in Yosemite. Oh, really? Yes, we made love many times on the floor of the valley. In fact, <laughs> if you ever visit Yosemite, I could give you a map and you could see all the spots that I made love in oh, the valley. We should, we should put together an Ansel Adams... An audio tour. <laughs> yes. You'll see where I stood and took my greatest pictures and where I had my greatest beddings. And where... <laughs> Huh? When you say audio tour, we should really include some sex noises in there so people can really get the full feel of it. escape. I, uh, I know some people in the Foley industry, and they will do a good job. Also, <laughs> uh, a buddy of mine is in a loop group, and he could do some of those I'm sounds. Sorry, a loop group? A loop group, What's yes. A loop group? Do you not know what looping is? I do not know no, what what's looping is. Do you know in movies when there's, like, background sounds of people, like, just talking in crowd scenes? Right. Those are loopers, and they just kind of, they'll be speaking, and they mix it really low. But also, loopers sometimes do the things which we call efforts, such as when when people are in fights and you hear the oh, oh, all of this, in the all this just sounds like Foley work. And why, also why the all... sex noise because it's people making the sound. Foley <laughs> oh. is really you're using it sound effects. People are like a nice wet chamois. Yes, yes. Or, uh, I've ideals. met a lot of people in the industry in the place I have currently reside. Of course. Uh, so going back to uh, Ansel Adams. Yes. Uh, so you were dismissed from school at the age of twelve because you were too restless and inattentive. Yes. School uh, is boring. Oh, I, I nobody agrees with that more to the choir. than mm. the three of us in this room. Mm. Uh, so in 1915 your father insists that as part of your education you're going to be homeschooled mm-hmm. and he also insists that you spend part of each day studying the exhibits at the Panama Pacific International Exposition. Mm, yes, uh, classic a, exposition. A world's fair sort of a place where they uh, were celebrating the recovery from the earthquake mm-hmm. and the Panama Canal. Do you remember any of the um, the exhibits yes. from the Panama Pacific? Oh, I just one thing I want to talk about is like, mm-hmm. I cannot think of an exhibit that combines two things that belong together more than the earthquake and the construction <laughs> of the Panama Canal. Of course, it was a natural for these it two is, things to be combined together. It is together. the pairing that made the world say finally. Yes. It's it, like, it was a real, exactly. it was a real Ross and Rachel relationship between the San Francisco earthquake and the Panama Canal. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I was, did you, were, were there any exhibits that that you saw that uh, that you remember that maybe like resonated with you well i saw many pictures of people building the canal and mm. and creating the locks that ships would pass through and mm. i saw these majestic images of a gigantic throbbing canal Ooh. and i was like mm. i want to take pictures of something that 
big. Oh, interesting. But I want it natural and not man-made. I see. So there was something about it that you that just didn't jibe with you because you could see the um uh the the, the, uh, the human see the hand cogs in it in the machine. Yeah, yes, it just yes. didn't seem like it was real. It didn't seem natural. Yes, and exactly. that 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 doesn't seem like it's uh it's something that that works with your aesthetic. You yes, know? exactly. Um, it's like you are reading my mind. So uh, do you remember? Because these are just a couple of the exhibits that were at mm-hmm. uh, uh, this base. This is World's Fair. Uh, mm-hmm. Type event. They had the first steam locomotive there. Did you mm-hmm. do you see the first steam locomotive? I did not. Okay. Uh, there was also a telephone line mm-hmm. to New York City, so you could talk to somebody all the way across the country. Oh, that explains what those poles were. <laughs> okay. Did you? So, but you didn't. Um, you didn't enjoy this. You didn't take part in the. I saw there were poles the around, line. and then knowing what became, it's like, oh yes, that must have been a telephone. Okay. Line. There was also this um, uh, uh, what they called the Tower of Jewels, that mm-hmm. were like this giant glass structure. Do you remember the Tower of Jewels at no, all? No, I did not. No, I do not recall. I see. So it was really just the the pictures of the Panama Canal. There were also churros there, and those were very <laughs> delicious. I'd never had one before. It's uh, have you had one? Oh, I certainly. Churros it's a long delicious. stick of fried dough that they dip in cinnamon and now, sugar. Now listen, we are going to have to take a short break very quickly. But before we do, I want to ask one more quick question to Sir Edmund Hillary. Uh, and I want to ask you about your service during World War II. Hmm. Uh, you're conscripted into service. You you serve with the uh, as a navigator for the hmm. Royal New Zealand Air Force. Air Force yeah. But there's an accident as you're, when you're stationed in the Solomon Islands hmm. uh, that leaves you um, badly burnt. Hmm. But the Wikipedia doesn't say what the accident was. Can you just very quickly tell us uh, what what exactly happened in the Solomon Islands when you're working as a navigator that that burned you? So? Absolutely. First of all, I was a first rate navigator. No one could spot a base like I could. Ooh, well Absolutely. Done. I was always like, I think there's one over there, and nine <laughs> times out of ten, there was. Wow. Uh, read the accident. It was uh, my buddy Kenny was making a hamburgers in a frying pan, trying to use it like a griddle. Uh, the grease sort of uh, built up in the frying pan as, as it is wants want to do, do when you can't drain it out. Uh, and um, then my other buddy, Kenny Two, who's also named <laughs> Kenny. Two Kenny. There were two Kennys. It was yeah. in our. Uh, Did you know, they have nicknames like Short Kenny or Angry Kenny? Well, or we called like them that. Kenny and Kenny Two. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, yes, Kenny yes, Two yes. must have been pissed. Well, his last name was Two. Oh, well, that makes sense. T I U Kenny mm. Two. Ah, mm. uh, Asian fellow, very nice, fighting mm-hmm. for our side. Good job. <laughs> So we were ma- making the burgers in the frying pan. The grease was accumulating. And Kenny, too, comes running in with a deck of cards. He had just learned how to play spades, kicks the pan, gets it on my trousers. Darn thing caught on fire. Oh, my goodness gracious. Absolutely singed my pubic hair down to the barest <laughs> essentials. So, and so you were relieved from service because you had burned all of your pubic hair Absolutely. off in a hamburger cooking accident? Quite a disaster. Is that New Zealand military... Uh, policy that one must have all their pubes to serve. And they count them every single day. Unfortunately, we got to take a short break, uh, but we will be right back with Ansel Adams and Sir Edmund Hillary on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Famous Dead Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever. We love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out. 
out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support This Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are New Zealand mountaineer and explorer, the first person to reach both the North and South Poles and the summit of Everest, Sir Edmund Percival Hillary. Well, hello. And American landscape photographer and environmentalist, famous for his black and white images of the American West and, of course, Yosemite. That's right. And Adams. My money shots. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, going back to Ansel Adams for a moment. So yes. your mother did not approve of your interest in photography. The two of you had a difficult relationship. No. Um, it seems from your Wikipedia she that She wanted you me have... to be a theater boy. She wanted me to be a theater, theater boy? boy? Yes, a theater boy. What exactly do you mean by a theater boy? Like a lad who hangs around the theater. So not an mm. actor, not a director, not someone who actually works in the theater? No, just a boy who mulls around the theater. I see. She wanted this to be your career for the rest of your life, even into adulthood. Yes, and I was like, I will not be a boy forever. And she's like, I dreamed of having a theater <laughs> boy. I was like, mother, no. You know, it's so important that parents let their uh, children spread their wings and... Uh, you know, explore their own, um, explore their own wants and desires. Uh, but it seems from your Wikipedia that you were relatively successful with photography, even from your first show. Yes. Uh, so what issues besides, I mean, and did, wasn't your mother swayed by that? The fact that like, look, I'm getting these great reviews and people want to see my work and they want to learn from me and they want to. No, because keep- she was like, why are these images still? Why aren't these real people moving around and you're lurking around she the theater? She loved the theater. Yes. She loved like, live theater. Yes. That Get you in there. It. Yes, I know. <laughs> she did not understand why I was going out to these isolated places where no one was around, just mm-hmm. bears and birds mm-hmm. and me. And then, you know, just like taking a picture of something, mm-hmm. condemning it to stillness for its existence. Yes. I'm assuming that that was something that your mother had a problem yes, with. Yes, she did not like it, yes. Okay, and so obviously this caused a lot of tension between the two of you. Eventually, I just gave up on her. Mm. I well, devoted myself to nature. To, to photography, and, and those, those, it's, the, it's the decision that we all have to make at some point in our life. Yes. Is it our yeah. mother's, or is it nature? Yes. And many of us choose nature. And I, <laughs> I pick nature over her nurture. Uh, so I read that she passed away when you're 48 years old, mm-hmm. um, and at the funeral home, you opted for the cheapest possible casket. Yes, I think my previous statements have made it obvious why. Yeah, because you, you know, you're not crazy about her. Yes. Uh, and then the undertaker asks you, "Have you no respect for the dead? Do you mm-hmm. do you remember this incident?" Uh, yeah, fresh in my memory because it has been mm-hmm. 70 years. Many years. Seven, uh, did I do that math right? Since yes. then. Um, well, let me just crunch the numbers really quickly here. Okay, just like, uh, all right, carry the five, and uh, all right, uh, cosine, and yeah, it's about 70 years. I don't know why you years. would have to carry a five when the math again, was again. 2018 minus again, 1948. Again. The eights just cancel I each other out. I don't expect the two of you to understand the kind of advanced mathematics that are going on on this side of the table over here. Um, I, I operate at a very high level. Uh, so yeah, so... Uh, you go there. You're taking care of your mother's funeral. Yes. Uh, you get you get the cheapest possible casket. The undertaker says, "Have you no respect for the dead?" Yes. Uh, to and which... I fired back and I said, 
why would you sell a casket that cheap <laughs> if you felt it would be disrespectful for one to purchase it? In Touché. fact, I accuse you, sir. Yes. I accuse you, sir. I then said, do you have any respect for the dead? Why would you offer? Do you, is this not a quality product? Is yes. this not something that you, that you, that you endorse, that you willingly sell in your store? Oh, so I said that and perhaps I also said something else. Uh, well, that's not in the Wikipedia, uh, okay. um, but I, be I believe it, yes. you know, and it also makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. Know? And it seems, it seems to me, kind of like he was just like trying to shame you into an upsell. Yes, that's what maybe, I, that's you know? what I thought was happening. I mm. was being upsold. Next thing you know, we're going to be having a whole, you know, march and procession and then she was you know she was gonna get buried in like the the hoity-toity section i'm mm -hmm. not gonna be up so where all the fancy corpses are yes exactly no sir not for ansel adams no uh so let's go back to sir edmund hillary for a moment so uh in ninth oh let's talk about all right so mount everest mm, let's talk you were about the mount first everest. person mm. to summit mount everest 1953 you make your famous descent mm. along with a nepalese sherpa ah, named tenzing yep. norgay uh, and the Wikipedia is a little unclear about this. Uh, did you have a relationship with uh, Tenzing before you guys got assigned as a team uh, for Everest on this trip? It seems like maybe you guys met just there. No, yeah, that was pretty much the first time the two of us got together. Mm -hmm. There were several different Sherpas I could have chosen. We were all drinking at a pub probably two weeks out before the expedition went, mm -hmm. and he and I were just laughing, laughing, laughing together about this joke he told. I will tell it now, but it loses something <laughs> in translation. Okay. What four and two go with you? What four and two go with you? That's the whole joke. That's the punchline and the setup. <laughs> really? It loses something in translation. I think it loses everything in time. translation. Can you tell it in its original language? Mm -hmm. Ooh, in the Nepalese. Yes. I would be happy to tell it in its Nepalese. <laughs> Great. In fact, the pronunciation is one I'm particularly proud of mastering. Okay, yes, please go ahead. Is it ish? Ach. Good. Nick. Mark. Stugit. And <laughs> that was my response too. It was hilarious at the time. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, you know, even though I don't speak the language, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Fast friends. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think. So we did the expedition on Everest. Mm -hmm. It was a class act, I must say, all around. Everyone really gave aces. But so what we did was we'd climb a few thousand feet, then we'd stop and hang out for a week. Then we'd climb a few thousand feet. Then it's we'd important stop. to acclimate to the That's higher altitudes. See, acclimation, sure. Acclimation mm. is what we call justifying in the rearview mirror. <laughs> really, we were just kind of hanging out. This Sherpa yes, was having so much fun together, distilling pine vodka on the trail. Really, just showing us a good time. Oh wow! Mm. No, it's, I'm I'm glad that you all enjoyed each other's company while you're making this treacherous and dangerous climb. Absolutely. Well, I do believe that mountaineering and tramping in general should be about the fun. It should be about the because why else do it? For example, no. I I when I went to the South Pole, I wasn't the first person to to make it to the South Pole. Mm -hmm. But you know what I said? Why not do it? In a car. <laughs> I know. Why not take a car so I, down to the South Pole? You know what I did? What'd you, what'd I you was do? the first person ever to take a car down to the South Pole. Okay. Where, uh, was it a road trip? <laughs> in, uh, in a way, absolutely. There were you no to, roads, but you know you what? a couple of snacks, put, throw on some tunes. Absolutely. Took a car. Not a lot of radio signal down there, <laughs> I would say. Oof. What kind of car was it that you uh, that you were trying to drive down there in, uh, in the South Pole? Oh, it was a red one. A, a yeah, red car. Sure thing. Not Here's why. You a don't car want, aficionado. You don't want a white one because it's very hard to it find. It would blend you, in. You'd get out of the car you to would pee. park for a second, you'd get, you know, and it would be gone. Let me tell you, that was my mistake in the North Pole. <laughs> 
I left three Subarus up there. I see, three white Subarus. That's right, if you find them. Now listen, there is a little bit of a controversy uh, associated with this, uh, with your first trek up to Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. As the first person to summit, mm -hmm. uh, it has never fully been established which one actually went up there first, whether or not it was you or your Sherpa Tenzing. I would be happy to put all these rumors to rest right now. Yes, please do. It was me. It was you. Okay. Definitely so You me. were definitely the one. Uh, now, you should have taken a picture to prove it. Well, they, here's the thing, is that they did have a camera. Uh, but and he they died. Did, we heard how that man they died. Did, no, Very... well, the, the, yeah, you stole the camera from the guy that uh, they had hired. Um, but you had, you had a camera up there, mm -hmm. and you took a picture of Tenzing, mm -hmm. but then you didn't have him turn around and take a picture of you. Well, he was, and this was his problem. He had no idea what F-stop was. <laughs> it was like, I'm trying to figure out this camera. Don't but get me started on F-stop. <laughs> well, maybe you should get started on F-stop. That's a big thing Because I got to tell you, shutter speed, F-stop. I was like, push the button, 10 seconds. He was like, nah. <laughs> and now, in hindsight, of course, I'm like, that fucking guy. That was very sad Did you of think him. to break his nose? Well, let's just say. He should have broken his nose. He didn't make it to the South Pole. <laughs> I see. He couldn't take the car. I think maybe he was just pretending to be befuddled so that the only picture that you had was of him. Mm. He says, he claims that you didn't even ask to get your picture taken. That's his official statement. You say, your official statement, according to the Wikipedia, is he didn't know how to use the camera. Mm -hmm. And uh, and his official statement was, oh, he just didn't ask me to take his picture while we were up there. Well, I rude. You should often, when you're at a nice place and someone says, hey, I'll take your picture, oftentimes you reciprocate. Yeah, mm. exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And this was, of course, before selfies were a well-known phenomenon, exactly. so I didn't even think to just extend my massive arm. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Ansel Adams. Like, when you're at a restaurant and a big group of people... Uh, they ask you to take the picture. Mm -hmm. The polite thing for them to do is then take a picture of you on the same camera. Yes. So that they have a record of who took their picture. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to uh, Ansel Adams for a moment. Yes. So in 1943, mm -hmm. uh, you had a camera platform mounted on top of your station wagon. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was uh, to give you a number of advantages for uh, perspective and uh, to shoot from a, a slightly higher vantage point, of course. Yes. Uh, but it must have also been pretty limiting because you mainly did... Uh, nature photography, so there are a lot of places that a regular run-of-the-mill station wagon just can't go, right? Well, if you've been to our beautiful national parks... I have been to your uh, beautiful national parks. Don't you find most of them to be very car-friendly for the uh, most gorgeous well, sites? They are now, of course, but, like, what if you want to go, you know, like, further in to a place that's a little more secluded? Yes, or... I didn't go to those places. Come I on, see. you can find all the hottest shots from the main visitor center areas, <laughs> <I> all right? <laughs> A place where they have where they serve nice cold Coca Colas. And exactly. Yes. Yeah, so you don't. I don't have to venture deep into the depths of Glacier National mm -hmm. Park to see beautiful things. Clearly, all the most beautiful things are where the people are. Yeah, where the the National Park Service has directed me to look. I, I know look how my bread is, is buttered. <laughs> Half Dome is easy to get to. <laughs> Of course. Tuolumne Meadows is harder because no one gives a fuck. Because who, who wants to look at that meadow, you know? Exactly. Not this guy. Well, there's a case for just going to see for yourself. Mm-hmm. Of course. Now that is what Sir Edmund That's Hillary the tramping spirit we talk about. Did you, were you ever like um, put off by a trek that wasn't that dangerous? Like like someone was like, oh, it's like a really nice nature hike and, you know, we sort of like go around the bend over here and then we get back and it takes like 30 minutes. Oh, uh, no, no, I practice a mindset called that all you got <laughs> where I like to do easy things so that I could turn to the people with me mm -hmm. and say that all you got. That all you got. 
I see. You must that must have been a really fun uh activity to, I to do with you. Would safely say most people I travel with thoroughly enjoy it. I'm sure they did. Uh now Ansel Adams, mm-hmm. so as we said before, like your photography is mainly of the American West, mm-hmm. uh Yosemite. Yes. Uh but we were talking about the pyramids earlier. Did you ever um, you know, like want to travel more internationally to uh, take pictures of, you oh, know, different Oh, I traveled internationally. Climates. I saw the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, tell uh, us. Uh, I some... did not take any pictures. You didn't take any not pictures of the, of the no. different... <laughs> I take pictures of the American West. Okay. I am not going to waste my film I guess on you taking... work hard to make a name for yourself. Why <laughs> bother changing it? It's a little yes. thing called branding. Yes, huh? you Edmund brand Hillary. yourself as hard as me. This is This is like... Imagine you have a sponsorship for something, mm, all, right? Okay, all right? And then they catch you drinking the rival's drink. If you're a Coke guy, yes, they catch you, you drinking mm, a Pepsi. Exactly. Even so though... I am so an you, American West photographer. Mm-hmm. I cannot be caught taking pictures of, you know, the Dolomites or something yeah, like that. You take a picture of, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the the Eiffel Tower or something, someone's going to be like... Well, that's what? not nature. Of course, of course. Nature didn't build uh, the Eiffel Tower. Not, mm. not the last time I checked. <laughs> well, according to Adolf Hitler, the Frenchmen weren't really people. So one might so argue... According to Adolf Hitler, I don't think Adolf Hitler had a problem with the French people in general. I think it was probably very specific categories. <laughs> Similar to how the Egyptians felt, I'm assuming. Hmm. You know, I actually, we don't have to assume. We know. We know. We know how Hitler felt. He hmm. wasn't shy about it. Uh, so, yeah. So, I read in the Wikipedia also that at one point you started a, a photography collective. I did. Uh, known as Group F64. Speaking of f stops. Hmm. Yes. I, I let the people in the, in the group pick a name, which I regret. Oh, you, you didn't want to call it the uh, F64. never open naming up to the group. <laughs> it sounds like a, it's a pretty dumb name, Group F64. You, you not think the it's name, a dumb name? Not the name I would have picked. Oh, well, well first of all, you, I do tell. well, let's talk about why you don't like the name F64. I think it's apt, you know, it kind of like... No, uh, is that an aperture pun? <laughs> it wasn't, but it is now. How delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's really, it works well with the, the philosophy of the group, you know, just sort of like uh, to, to have everything as equally in focus, so you're just sort of like shooting what the eye is seeing. You know, is that not how you feel? I, I do feel that way, but mm-hmm. I think we could have done a more fun name. Okay. You know, like the Nature Gang or something. <laughs> Sounds like a gang of people solving mysteries the in nature Mother gang. Nature. Also, maybe we could have, you street, know, just... How the street fall down? They could have given it more <laughs> of a nod to me and called it AA. I think that would have been fun. Well, there already is an AA, unfortunately. I don't know if it existed back then, but there is an AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, I don't see why that, if it didn't exist back then, why is that my problem uh, now? That's a really good point. Maybe, but maybe they had the foresight. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't name this thing AA because someday those initials might be used for something. (laughs) Well, that's an argument against everything. That's a really good point. For those of you just joining us, this is uh, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are iconic American landscape photographer Ansel Adams. That's right. And New Zealand mountaineer and explorer Sir Edmund Hillary. Good afternoon. Um, so let's go back to Sir Edmund Hillary for a moment. So, uh, in 1960, after going on a number of other successful expeditions. Uh, you organized an expedition to search for the abominable snowman. Is indeed. that right? Yes, indeed. All right, I have a million questions about why, first, first of all, why you thought that you needed to go looking for the abominable snowman. Because he would not return my call. Okay, so that's obviously, you know, you, you, you call out to the abominable snowman 
you, you you're calling him on a telephone. You're calling him. And no, you're just like, absolutely. You're just like first of all, you climbing have to a tree and something. yelling out into the, <laughs> you're, into much, the forest. Much closer to the ladder. Absolutely. Okay. See, you know, you go duck hunting. What do you do? Mm-hmm. You got like a little duck call. You get a duck call. Gotcha. Right. You go bear hunting. What do you do? Mm, um, <laughs> I don't think there's a bear call. Well, I guess there's not. <laughs> Fair point. But so much to my thinking was you search for a yeti. You want a you want a yeti call. So you do a yeti call. You do a yeti call, and he wouldn't return Absolutely any not. of those yeti calls. Is there calls. a difference between a yeti and the abominable snowman? I think they're synonymous, right? Yeah, they are one in the yeah. same. In fact, they yeah. are one in the same. They are one in the same. Yeah, the yeti think, and the abominable snowman. I think it's like uh, the difference is uh, is if you talk about Bigfoot, because Bigfoot right. is not is it, a, a temperate forest dweller of what would uh, no doubt be the same species. It is uh, as as a grizzly bear is to a, a polar bear, mm. so mm-hmm. is the yeti slash abominable snowman to uh, Bigfoot. Absolutely. Yeah. So they are different. Species of a similar type? Yes, Indeed. I guess they, they exist in the same genus, maybe. Genus. That, All is, right. that is correct. All right, so so but but if you if you're if you're calling out to the to the Yeti, mm-hmm. you're calling out to the Obama Snowman, not returning your phone calls, uh not, not returning your calls, uh wouldn't you then just assume that it did not exist? Why well, why then mount an expedition? Tell me, why don't you tell me what the scientific method is? A scientific method is uh, uh, you you ask a question, mm-hmm. you propose a hypothesis, mm-hmm. uh, you collect data, mm-hmm. uh, and then you uh, and then you come to your conclusion. Oh uh, yeah, well you forget testing your data. Testing your testing your now, data. Now one would collect data. I never heard a yeti call back. So mm-hmm. how do you test that data? You go looking. You go look for a yeti. You go looking for a yeti. As a, as a matter of fact, that's absolutely right. Gotcha. Now see, I would just assume. That it just didn't exist, and so why look for it? Well, but absolutely. That's why your face believe... isn't on the five pound note. <laughs> That's a really good point. Did you have any reason to believe that existed? Do you have any reason to think that this was a real thing that needed to be found? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure thing we did. Remember, at, th- at this point, species were still being discovered very readily. Even today, Most species are still being discovered. You're being very forest. modernist that just because people nowadays view the abominable snowman and the yeti as a thing of fiction, absolutely. why would someone back then when we didn't know these mm-hmm. things, you okay. know? We still fried bull testicles back then <laughs> for their virility. I'm sorry, what? We absolutely did, and by we, I mean people in addition to myself. Okay. Um, uh, it was known that if you had problems with virility... With your, with your, uh, with your downstairs? Fry a bull's testicle and just... Nom, 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 <laughs> and you're good to go. For I don't know if that's been scientifically disproven. Well, like, you know, the bull testicle things might still, might still work. Um, all right, so, you know, way back then... People are just sort of like assuming that the Yeti's a thing. You mount this five-month... Five-month expedition. Expedition. What is your method for looking for the abominable snowman? Uh, to to my credit, I have amazing vision, as evidenced by my time as a navigator in World War II. Of course, you were nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times. Spot a base. There's a base over there, and there was. So mm-hmm. I used that same deduction. Like, mm, I think there's a cave over there. And you know what? Very often there was mostly bear caves. I see. Mostly bear caves. Mostly bear caves. But the occasional... Indigenous people uh, cave. W- oh, okay. All right. But mm-hmm. never but never a Yeti. Was that disappointing? To- a little bit. See, uh, the way that you have to get an expedition funded is by claiming a, there's a scientific goal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, science funds expeditions. A, a, a tramper's sense of adventure carries out an expedition. Mm-hmm. So uh, everyone, everyone needs. You need to have a uh, uh, a, um, a goal, a goal, a goal, Absolute, something fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. Christopher Columbus was like, I I want to sail. 
Why? What's a good reason why I could be given a couple of great boats mm -hmm. and just kind of told to have at it by a king? Well, maybe I can discover a faster trading route. Maybe. Mm, I see. Yeah, I can understand that. Mm -hmm. I, and you know what? It, it, it doesn't sound as crazy as I thought that it was now that, you, now that you've explained it. Uh, let's go back to Ansel Adams for just a moment. Uh, so, yes. Uh, your work has only become more popular as time has gone on. Yes, I hear people love having it in their dorm rooms. I, actually, what I was going to ask you about, it's appeared in books, calendars, uh, posters, mm -hmm. and I haven't done any research into this, mm -hmm. but I have to imagine that you're, the, the place where your work is featured the most is in freshman college dorms. Do you think that that's an accurate assumption? I... No, I no, I actually disagree. Really? Okay. Yes, I think they're probably hanging posters of movies they like and things related to alcohol. Well, that's mm. that's certain types of people in freshmen, but I'm talking about the ones who my want biggest to competition to bang for the, art I think my my <laughs> freshman exactly. I think my biggest competition for the freshman college dorm wall is the sailor kissing the lady from world war ii that's a great one. Oh, i would think you would think that mc escher were a threat mc mm. escher uh, I would also he doesn't vote, take pictures I that's also, not the real world i would also vote for um uh scarface a poster of the movie oh, scarface yes, that's I, another popular one uh also um uh you know that that poster that has like all the different uh uh, beers on them. The like big the place that I excel yeah. is your mom's calendar. <laughs> Not you Anyone. specifically, but just the general. Every your mom's, mom's calendar. calendar. Every holiday, they're on discount the day after New Year's, and we snatch yes. them up. Yeah, we your mom's up. calendar, perhaps your chiropractor's wall mm -hmm. or your dentist's wall waiting yes. rooms waiting rooms uh, classic mm. ansel adam location yes. uh does that uh do you have any issue with that the fact that your work's been so commercialized do you feel like your work more uh no, belongs in museums i'm fucking loaded as a result <laughs> <laughs> my work's been in the smithsonian but mm -hmm. you've got to commercialize all right yeah you gotta you gotta make those sprints you gotta sell them yes because uh daddy wants to i'm uh, a name i'm a household name that's right ansel Adams. i'm more people know me than man ray I'm sorry. That's, that's extremely accurate. I absolutely yes. agree with that. Yes. I would or say. Ouija. People know Ansel Adams over Ouija. Isn't uh, that the, the board? No, Ouija. Well, Ouija's the guy who they call them Ouija because he had a he had a knack for showing up right where murders had happened, like yes. during the 19. Uh, 1930s and 40s, I believe. Mm. Yes, he was a crime scene photographer. Crime scene photographer oh. named Ouija. But your yeah. mom isn't having a Ouija certainly calendar. Is she's certainly not, not going to get that for Christmas. Uh, I can imagine my mom would just be like, this is terrible. I don't want to see this. Mm. But you buy her an old AA calendar, mm -hmm. and she's like, lovely. Again, you can't use that acronym <laughs> still. It's not a thing. It's a problem now, even right. if it wasn't yeah. a problem uh, back then. Uh, let's go back to uh, Sir Edmund Hillary for a moment. Uh, so you wrote a number of books mm. uh, about your life as an adventurer. Uh, some of them have names that uh, correlate very specifically with, with a, what the book is about, mm -hmm. like The Crossing of Antarctica is obviously about crossing Antarctica. Antarctica yeah. uh, but there were some of the books that I saw on your Wikipedia that the names were a little bit vaguer. And mm -hmm. I was wondering if you would tell us a little bit about uh, what those books were about. Absolutely. And so you had a book called High Adventure. High Adventure. Yeah. That's right. Uh, it was an adventure that we all took in the mountains of Peru. Mm -hmm. uh, it was me and my friend Kenny. 
Uh, oh, was this uh, Kenny one? The, uh, Kenny one, the war buddy. Kenny two. We didn't talk after the pube incident. Ah, I see. Uh, Burn the that, bridge. Was that uh, that was something that upset you so much that you were willing to kill that whole relationship? Absolutely. I took my pubes. If there's one thing that I never think twice about doing, it's terminating a friendship. Really? Absolutely. Cut your losses quickly and painfully. Interesting. I mean, that explains why you and uh, Tenzing, you know, had your mm, falling out right uh, right after. Uh, ascending Everest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, high adventure. adventure. Uh, mountains of Peru. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mountains of Peru. So it was me, my buddy Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, a, and a school bus full of Peruvian children. Uh, and <laughs> the bus, it overturned on a road when we were, we were a lot of sharp curves going up these Peruvian mountains and the bus mm-hmm. overturned. And oh my what goodness. do you do when there's snakes all around you? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You get those boys out there safely and tell your publisher all about it. Wow. And so this is the, this was the story of you successfully saving all these Peruvian so, children? Absolutely. So wow. you did an adventure where young boys lived. <laughs> I, absolutely. That is not your brand, wow. from what I gather. Well, that is definitely bookworthy, then. You should absolutely check out some of my other titles. Uh, so Speaking of which, mm-hmm. uh, you had another one called No Latitude for Error. No Latitude for Error. That's right. Sounds like it's a pun, right? Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Would there it was... be No Attitude for Error? Or that's am I, is that a stretch? That am, I, a, am I putting that on? That is a well-known expression. <laughs> no. no attitude <laughs> for error. I have yeah. never heard that before. You, you can't have an my... attitude for error, otherwise you will error. But that's you know? not a thing people say. But I mean, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have an attitude for error. No, it's you like shouldn't. saying you should get set up for success. Don't have an attitude for error, Ansel Adams. Don't have. <laughs> have you never heard that one either? I'd. Look, let's get set up for success. Let's get set up. Don't have an attitude. Set up for success. Yeah, let's get set up for success. That sounds like you're you're the guy speaking at a corporate retreat that He's, no one yeah. wants to come in. <laughs> He's workshopping inspirational. Yeah, things are going to go on my this poster. This sounds like a shitty thing that someone would put below a poster one of, of one of my pictures <laughs> that I did not license. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So yeah, no latitude for error, which we have established was a pun no, of no the very well-known not phrase. Not a pun. And no attitude for error. Uh, right, so uh, I was I was going to go with my friend. It's mm-hmm. no room for error. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the that's phrase. phrase. No, no room, room for, for error. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I just wanted to make sure we got that. Phrase. No room well, they had for to error. dumb it down a little bit. No latitude for error. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my my buddy Alex Error, Alexander Error, was going to try to go <laughs> up north with me. This guy, he was he hit the sauce. He hit it very hard, and it made him an unreliable travel partner. And okay. I was like, no, you can't, you can't come. No latitude. And so I found the more interesting story was me trying to keep Alexander in his hotel room. So this he, is not an adventure story no, at all. This it's is more, of a, just, more of a buddy comedy. I see. Yeah, it's me and Alex in a, in well, a hotel. Where location. does the latitude part come in? Because I get the error part, but where's... Yes. Well, he wanted to go on the adventure. He wanted to go. So the the adventure was we were climbing the latitudes toward the North Pole. You were just the adventure was just heading north geographically. All adventures start with a cardinal direction. Well, everywhere on Earth is a latitude, you know. Unless but, it's also a longitude. That I latitude, but that latitude. But what is going up? I error. would say your most famous thing was wasn't going north or south. It was up. It was. It was, <laughs> up. It was vertical. <laughs> Vertical is the cardinal direction. That's not a longitude or latitude <laughs> no. measurement. But that, understand that not all adventures go up. Not all adventures go That's up. That's true, yes. Some My adventures... adventure to the North Pole, which I wrote about in a different book mm-hmm. after the incident with Alexander at the hotel in Burma, mm-hmm. was about going 
It's going, going, going up. It's going north. Of course, some adventures they go in. They go in, in here. Yes, in fact, I, I often say that uh, the most important part about conquering a mountain is first conquering yourself. Conquering yourself. To, to know thyself. That is the greatest adventure, mm. I think. Is that, a, is that a mountain that you eventually scaled, would you say, Sir Edmund Hillary? The myself mountain? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a, I'm still working. You know, I'm we're all works in progress. We're all, we're all, all works, works in, progress. in progress. There's uh, no attitude for error, as we say. No. Uh, and lastly, we I wanted to ask that. you about your book, uh, Schoolhouse in the Clouds. Mm, yes, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, tell us about, the, what, was, what was this book about? Was this, uh, was this another adventure book? Something indeed that, uh, so. I was in the mountains yeah. in Argentina with a bus full of schoolboys. <laughs> They were bizarre. The, the winding the roads where they were winding hairpin turns, and all of a sudden, our driver, a guy named Bill, I had never met him before, okay. took a, a turn really sharp, and the bus careens off the roads, and we la- we found ourselves marooned on a plateau, and one of the boys, uh, thankfully, his, Piggy, I believe his name was, had these glasses <laughs> that we used, so we were able to make a fire. But let me tell you, these schoolboys were not the most civilized. Uh, crew. So what I, I had imagine. to do while trying to keep all of these uh, nubile schoolboys alive until we were eventually rescued was more or less lay the the groundwork for society and for teaching them how to oh, get like along. A, in a, it. a primitive society. I, I have a question. So it's like a schoolhouse in that I I taught them skills like how I, you know how to take turns talking. Uh, yes, I was wondering if that was there like a conch that they passed around in the mountains of Argentina. There was certainly no conch. Okay, mm. there was a rock that was shaped like the shells you might find in the ocean. I didn't do a lot of nautical expeditions. Are you familiar the with term. the book Lord of the Flies? I don't think we're gonna I, have time to discuss that. Is that the one with the with the ring and the magic and Peter Jackson? No, that, that is yeah. Lord of the Rings. We would Lord love of the, Lord of the Flies. Lo- it sounds like either you ripped them off or they ripped you off. Well, I think. We'll have to do a date check. I think uh, I think only history can tell us. Only history can be the judge. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, Sir Edmund Hillary. Oh, and, my uh, pleasure, and indeed. Add some, add, uh, and Ansel Adams. Thank you. Check out my photography at AnselAdams.com. <laughs> or AA.com. Or AA.com. Yes, AA.com. Uh, I, I believe that might be American Airlines, actually. I, of course, am your host, uh, Jared Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at JaredBerenstein.com. Uh, buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. Uh, if you're listening to this on the radio, find the podcast, rate and review, tell your friends, leave a comment. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We will try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Famous dead people, famous dead people, famous dead people.